Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, we go deep into the I Stand with Kaepernick rally that took place last week in front of NFL headquarters that had well over a thousand people packing one of the toniest neighborhoods in Manhattan. You are going to hear the voices of protesters. You are going to hear the voices of some of the speakers. And hey, they asked me to speak at this rally. And this is kind of my podcast, so we're going to end it all with a short speech that I gave from the front of the rally. So let's go right away to 50th and Park Avenue NFL headquarters for the I Stand with Kaepernick rally. Yo, I'm here with Charles Modiano, who is a definitely a sports and politics activist wearing his Kaepernick jersey. Charles, why are you here, sir? I'm here to stand with Kaepernick. I'm here to stand against white supremacy. I'm here to stand against the NFL um, and their discrimination. And I uh, particularly use the word discrimination because this is more than a difference of opinion. They are discriminating against him and denying his employment. And when you cross over from opinion to demonstration, you're crossing over from opinion to racism. Let's be clear about that. Okay, thank you, Charles. Uh, What brings you out here today, um, in addition to just the Kaepernick story in and of itself, broader? I mean, you mentioned white supremacy. Talk to us a little bit about that. What do you see in this country right now and how you see this story fitting into that? I mean, it fits into everything that's going on in Charlottesville. When you're talking about Kaepernick, he was very clear about what the problem was, and that problem was police getting away with murder in the criminal justice system. And now I want to let our news know you're saying this as police circle around you right now. <laughs> I am. But I think it's important to even connect it to the events in Charlottesville because the events in Charlottesville were not just about Nazis. It was about the police allowing Nazis to run wild. And we cannot mistake that. Had the police done their job, the Nazis would not have run wild. They would not have maced people. They would not have beaten down uh, young black kids. And, and perhaps even Heather Heyer would not be dead if there was a police presence protecting the protesters. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you. Hey, I'm here with Bobby Ramos. Well, why'd you come out here today? 
Well, you know, as a 27-year police officer who fought for injustices and, and went through fighting the city for not hiring women and minorities back in 91, getting me shot and nigger scratched in my locker, we understand from that Ali mode when you're by yourself and you make these kind of efforts, you have to support. Here's a guy who's a star making bank and he's putting other people before himself. So I got to support him. Oh, right on. And... What part of you coming out here is also related to what's happening in this country right now with this president? That's huge. Listen, you know, Trump Trump has caused all of this, and it's imperative that we fight back against that agenda because that agenda is going to annihilate this city and, it, and this, this country, and it's going to cause a race war that we don't want. I'm here with Ann Shirazi, who is here at this uh, demonstration for Colin Kaepernick. Ann, what, what motivated you to come out? From the very beginning, I've been following the Colin Kaepernick situation and how he took a knee and how he stood up against racism. Um, and so I have had enormous respect for him because I know that um, football people are not generally people who care very much about these issues. Right. But then when he uh, was not able to get another job, that really affected me. And I felt that um, that he really needs to be supported yeah. in this, um, just as everyone uh, needs to be supported against the fascism that is so quickly growing in our country. Here is one speaker I definitely wanted people to take note of because she's 85 years old, a legendary civil rights activist, the former president of the NAACP, Hazel Dukes. Well, we've been sick and tired for a long time. But now 45 has come out and said that it's both sides. And it seems that the need understand his language, that all they think about our black men, that they put on uniforms and raise money for them. Well, the day is over. We come today to send a clear signal that is just not about your uniforms and making money off of us, it's about respect for our community and especially our black brothers. 70% of your players are African Americans. And so if you think for one minute that we are going to take your nonsense, you got another thought coming. We will be here till hell freeze over. And we state across the ice that not only for this young man who have the right, the freedom, to not stand if he feel that that's his commitment, his understanding, we're standing today for his rights. We've been doing this for 108 years. And so now it's our time. I heard Congressman Meek said, we don't want the America that 45 says great. We are talking about the America that is great because we made it great. And so, let me tell you, Lee, NFL, yes, we sent you a letter today. You turned down the Justice League, turned down the NAACP, turned down the National Action Network, pushed our sororities and our fraternities and all of 
us who are gathered here, well, we'll see that your pocketbook get turned down. I only got a little audio of this, but I want people to hear it because the speaker was so powerful. Her name is Tamika Mallory, and she was also one of the organizers of the Women's March. I don't have time to play with the NFL. I didn't come here today to play with the NFL. Why are y'all so upset? And what's all this confusion about? They say, well, people get dropped from teams all the time. People don't get picked up all the time. That's what they say. But those who are saying that to you are confused. They have decided to ignore racism, bigotry, and white supremacy in this country. That is what they would have you to do, to turn your eyes from what you see. We are not stupid, brothers and sisters. Don't let them tell you that we are out here for one man. I like Colin Kaepernick. I think he is a good dude. I've seen him, I've talked to him, I've met with him. I think Colin Kaepernick is wonderful, but I didn't come out here today for one man. Even Colin Kaepernick would tell you that he didn't just need for himself or his family, he needs for all of us. Colin Kaepernick took a knee for my 18-year-old son. And that's why I'm out here today. Here's a short interview I did with City Councilman Jermaine Williams. And I really wanted to highlight this because Jermaine Williams was part of a remarkable rally that, frankly, I don't even still entirely understand that took place about a week and a half ago of New York City police officers, black and white, coming together to say, I stand with Kaepernick, and that they appreciated the fact that he was raising issues of racism and corruption in police forces around this country. So here's what Jermaine Williams said to me about how that utterly unique rally came together. Well, really, it was the police that put it together, particularly Sergeant Edward Raymond, who has a lot of courage. Uh, he invited me to participate, and I was exhilarated. Uh, we've done some work in the past. He came to me about some of the issues, and I just thought it was phenomenal because so many times people try to paint these things as not patriotic or somehow pushing back against law enforcement. And here you had law enforcement supporting it, and I think it, it, it blew up even more than I thought it would, but it's just a powerful message, and I just want to congratulate the NYPD 12 and Sergeant Raymond. Yeah, I live in the D.C. area now, but I was born and raised in the city. I've never seen a multiracial demonstration of police before. It felt historic to me. Have you ever seen anything like that? I guess the last time I saw that was when they were riding against CCRB uh, many years ago. Yeah. Up and down on cars. And so I, that's probably the last time I, uh, I've seen something like that. So amazing. cohesive. But I think it was amazing. It was a powerful, powerful message uh, pushing back on the false narrative that's being put. I mean, what's funny to me is these arguments have been played out time and time again. And everybody thinks they're bringing new arguments to the table. Right. But they've lost every single time. The unpatriotic. Every the, time. The, the law enforcement, the, the, the bigotry, all that. So we know we're on the right side of history. People need to hear this next speaker. This had the crowd riveted. This is Reverend Jamal Bryant from Baltimore where he is a reverend and community activist at Empowerment Temple AME. Hear his words, Reverend Jamal Bryant. We're not here for our health. We're here because this is a state of emergency for our community and a state of emergency for this country. How in the world can we call ourselves the land of the free, the home of the brave, 
and you get vilified and criminalized just for speaking your mind. The NFL has proven with their treatment of Colin Kaepernick. They do not mind if black players get a concussion. They just got a problem if they get a conscience. Oh. If you take a knee, they will then try to step on you. And woe unto all of these sellout Negroes who want the players to be politically correct. Michael Vick, it ain't about a dog, it's about being a man. It's not about his hair part, it's about his hair, being head, being on straight. And so for all of the black boys in the inner cities who think that football is their only way out, we have to stand. Rosa Parks sat down. Mega Evers got gunned down. Muhammad Ali found himself deteriorating. But we find in the words of public enemy, it's going to take a nation of millions to hold us back. We're not trying to make America great again. We're trying to make America great for the very first time. For those who care that this is not political, I want to ask directly the owners of the NFL Team Association, if it is not political, how is it that the Owners Association gave $110 million for Donald Trump's inauguration? If it is not political, how is it that Tom Brady could wear a hat that said, make America great again, and he can still have a job, but if you grow an afro, you get blackballed, and you put on the side. Something is wrong. Nothing is rotten in Denmark. It's something rotten in the NFL. And we can smell it from here. And that's why we came from all over this country. So Walter Rowley said we can see further because we stand on the shoulders of giants. The rally closed with a Palestinian-American political activist, a former executive director of the Arab American Association of New York. She was one of the organizers of the 2017 Women's March. This is Linda Sarsour. We need to ensure that the very people who are living luxurious lives off the profits that we put in their pockets hear us real loud. Power conceives nothing without a demand. So we can't just be out here hollering and talking about how angry and mad we are. We gotta be clear. Number one, we stand with Kaepernick. We want him to get signed. Because if the NFL can sign rapists, domestic violence abusers, animal abusers, then you know what? They can sign a man who stood up for what is right and highlighted the injustices to the underrepresented communities that he comes from. And now a quick word from The Nation magazine. This week's issue is absolutely fantastic. It includes a report on segregation in education co-produced with the Heckinger Report. It really is groundbreaking. This thing's going to win awards. People need to read about this. Also, there's a terrific books and arts section that looks at the new Hemingway biography. It looks at Nancy McLean's Democracy in Chains. And it looks at the writings of Sarai Nusabe. 
people have to realize that the nation is indispensable during the Trump age. Please subscribe at thenation.com slash subscribe. And if you subscribe, guess what? You are supporting the existence of this podcast. Now let's go back to the I Stand With Cap rally. Now I want to play some interviews that were done on the ground by my Nation Magazine colleague who was there with me during the rally, Miguel Salazar. First and foremost, hear his interview, a couple words from Chi Chi Chin Wude. Chi Chi, why are you here today? Well, I'm here because I want to support uh, Colin Kaepernick. It's not even about NFL because honestly, I don't even watch NFL. I'm, I'm a young girl in the city, like, I don't really care for football. But the problem is, um, the stuff that he is talking about affects me directly. Like, I graduated in 2014 and I literally have been struggling to get a job. And I personally feel that it's because of the way I look. I can't control the way that I look. I'm, you know, a black, dark-skinned African woman, and I feel like every time I go inside of interview, they're very disinterested. But before um, I go to the interview, let's say if I talk to them on a phone, they're interested. So the only difference is the way that I look. So that's why I'm here to support. Um, and what does your sign say here? My sign says, want to see change affect their pockets uh, or their money, their pockets, same thing. <laughs> and then that just basically means that, you know, we can march, we can do all these things, but it's not going to make a difference unless money is involved. Money is literally power. So we need to hit them where it hurts, and that's affecting their money. Um, what... What do you see the role of, you know, uh, white football players or white allies, you know, in this struggle? Do you, do you think that they're they're pulling their own way or do you think they, they need to step their game up? Um, well, I mean, I, I think I just recently saw one uh, white football player. He took a knee. So it seems like it's slowly becoming something that white people are becoming uh, conscious of. But um, at the end of the day, I, you know, there's even black people that are like, well, let me stay away from Kaepernick because I want to keep my job. And in the end, you're just hurting yourself because let's say if you're outside you're driving your car you're you're you know doing everything that you're supposed to be doing but a, a cop stops you and says you're not doing something good so you know we can sit up here and continue to dust this under the sorry dust this under the rug but um it, it, it may actually affect everybody in, in turn and now some words with harry b sando jr just to be clear you are willing to just stop watching your support it's already done it's already done it's not easy because if you're a strong football fan like like i am i mean i analyze the game I, I argue with people online on facebook all the time it's not easy but don't do that to us don't don't just say go away shoot away you're not you don't matter you know what i'm saying all he did was take a knee and now you say he can't play because he interrupted whatever or he made you look bad or however he did it come on man my sunday ticket is going off and i'm going to record that and put that on live facebook it's not, it's not, that's, that's small compared to what he's doing millions on the line how important do you think uh his race is i mean a lot of people have said that he's getting blackballed because of his political beliefs but uh how important do you think you know, the fact that he's a, an african-american football player do you think, do you think, think a white, do, you, do you think a white football player would have would have been hit with the same problem? Would it would be going through the same problem if he had if he had done the same thing Colin Kaepernick did? That's a loaded question. It's a very complex question, and, but there's not a, there's not an easy answer for that question. 
because it, because the NFL is what 72 percent black. So you can't really say if is he being blackballed because he's black. I think I think they're they're, they're taking it in a way because they, they got embarrassed. I think they're more more so embarrassed than anything else. We already know that that white players get more lenient you know lenient treatment. We already know that. That's already documented. You understand what I'm saying? But I think what Kaepernick is doing, or what Kaepernick did, because you have uh, almost 100% white ownership, it's hard when they're when they're million dollar million dollar friends or billion dollar friends are connected with the with the Trumps and the other people. So yeah, that message is being sent out there, but I don't think it's that easy. It's not one answer. It's a lot of complex issues going on. Here is Miguel Salazar talking to Juan Velasquez and Mike Williams. So why are you guys out here today? Support Kaepernick in his cause. You know? It's uh, unjust. He's being blackballed. Right. I see it for what it is. If you know football, you know he's not any worse than the 32 back quarterbacks. He should be a starter, not even a back. He should be a starter in this league or given the chance to compete for a starting position in this league. Hey, your compete beliefs, for a job. Hey, your, your beliefs, your beliefs, and your religion has nothing to do with how you play your sport. Right. You understand? So if they if they graded them, you look at the combines. They grade them on how high they jump, how much they bench press, how accurate their throws are. You know, you, you look at that, and then they hire you. You know what I mean? They don't ask you, you know, what's your religion? Who do you believe in? You know? Right. So why, why blackball the man? You know he's better than all 32 backups in the league. You know that for sure, just by the numbers. Right. So why would you blackball him just because of his beliefs? You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's backwards. Yeah. Do you, think it's, do you think it's only because of his belief, or do you think his race has something to do with it as well? Nah, it's just the beliefs. It's not the race. He was starting once upon a time. His, his color didn't just change. But do you think if a, if a white NFL quarterback had come out um, and done the same thing he had done, would he have suffered the same consequences? No, I don't think so. Me, that's my personal belief. I don't know about him. My personal belief is race does have something to do with it. You know, you look at the guys who, who, who are fairer skinned and they're slapping their wives around and have all kinds of charges and this and that. They got jobs and they garbage. Miguel Salazar talks now to Edward Murray. Edward, why are you here today? Because there's systematic movement by the NFL to make sure that Colin Kaepernick and anybody who stands for poli- against police brutality, they don't have a place in the NFL, and that's not right. Right. Why do you feel that way? Why do you think this is such an important topic, especially nowadays? Because, at the, first of all, we always have freedom of speech. Right. And he has the right to express himself. But in this particular time, police brutality is at heightened levels. So for someone to take a stand and saying that everything is not perfect in America, and this is the way I'm going to publicly do it in a peaceful manner, I think, and for the reaction to be, there's no place for you in our league, that is dead wrong. Do you think that is at a at a league level uh, or at a, or individual teams? Because there have been rumors of, of Kaepernick talking to some teams about joining. Uh, but do you think the NFL is purposely trying to block him? The Jets have three horrible quarterbacks. Baltimore, before they signed a quarterback, I mean, before they made a decision, I mean, it was clear that, that their owner wasn't comfortable because of the backlash. It's, it's those are not coincidences. Those are systematic intent. Those are deliberate actions. Here's Miguel Salazar with Rafael Cruz and Ramona Acosta. So, what brings you out here today? I'm here in support of Colin Kaepernick and his and his cause. 
um, what what causes in particular? Well, uh, because I mean, standing for uh, those are the. Uh, Feel injustice, you know. Right. It's, uh, you know, especially the black community, minorities. You know, he's standing for that. You know, I mean, it's a shame that it's uh, mostly black and Latinos that get stopped. You know, for regular traffic violation and end up dead. <laughs> what troubles me is his. And he's standing up for that. It's a silent protest, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, actually, it's peaceful protest. Yes. It's peaceful. Done nothing but First take Amendment a knee. Rights. There, there are players who've um, been. Accused of rape and some of the murder, and um, they continue to play like nothing has gone on. But this man silently protests, uh, justified protest, and he's marginalized like this and shut out of the league. You know, I'm not a big fan of the NFL. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. But let's be real. I mean, uh, it's 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 not his game. If you look around the NFL. There are several players he's he's better than that have been picked up, you know, uh, and and he's been left out. This is clearly uh, he's being marginalized for it's taking collusion for, by the yeah, owners, yeah, bro. that's right. For 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 the supposed uh, disrespect of, of the flag, you know, uh, which is nonsense. Which is nonsense yeah. because the First Amendment rights uh, says that you know actually the founding fathers basically you know said that in the First Amendment uh, peaceful uh, you have the right for peaceful uh, protest, and that's what he did. I mean. He's just took a knee, just to show, uh, you know, that he's standing for something. You know, and it's going to take momentum. I think what's, yeah. maybe this is a good thing that he's being, he's clearly uh, being locked out of the league uh, for his protest, and all of a sudden, you know, the Browns are taking knees, Lynch is taking a knee, and I think it's it's going to be. I, I'd like to see higher profile players, you yes, know, do me it. Too, me too. So, and I think it's going to happen. So, yeah. how, how Especially white players. Yeah, I, I yeah. I'd like, like to see, see some white players too. How important? Uh, Very important that uh, that uh, we break that barrier and not just be that, that it's simply people of color that are doing it you know uh, this affects us all you know, the flag stands for everything it stands yes for those that have taken you know uh, arms and to protect our country that you know uh, we lost in, in wars and, and whatnot but it also stands for uh, you know justice and when there's injustice you have to protest Which clearly the community of color is not getting whether it's immigration whether it's us put in prison um, I, I cannot see a, a better demonstration. Now, how would one demonstrate to not take a knee? I mean, maybe, what, what, maybe what do you want him to do? Maybe raise the fist. I mean, what, what else? Even that's not good. Even that's, it's, it's never good. You're supposed to stay silent and take it? Yeah. No, I'm with Colin Kaepernick, 100%. And now let's hear a remarkable spoken word poem that was read at the rally. My God, I, I wanted folks to hear this because it captures the energy of the day perfectly. Now, if you really woke, then I applaud you. And if you out here, then I saw you when they ignored you. And all the grassroots orgs appreciate because you gave what you could afford to. And when they called you, you came. Hell, sleet, snow, and rain, you made a sacrifice. You gave your time, freedom, or your dollars for every garden because you couldn't give his mama back his life. Because you understand we can't get nothing good by doing nothing. So if you out here screaming no justice, no peace, and we get no justice and they get peace, that means you was bluffing. So if Kaepernick taking me on national TV to highlight the injustice that happened to us, and we don't stand with him, that's like watching what happened to Rosa Parks did and getting back on the back of the bus. So I ask, what is enough enough? What's the final straw? 
What's the one thing we all for sure gonna run for? I'm not sure if you saw what happened to Charlottesville, but Trump and his followers is trying to have us back in them cotton fields. So if you feel like I feel and you ready to stand, let me see everybody raise up their hand. Before I go, I wanna leave you with something. The easiest way for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. Stay woke. And now, as I said at the top of the show, I actually got to speak at this rally. It was one of the great honors I've ever had. They asked me to be the opening speaker, and I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little nervous, so if you hear a crack in my voice, that's why. But we wanted to play you the audio because, hey, why not? It was a hell of a day, and I want to share with y'all what I said. So here we go. All right. There's nothing more fun to do on Park Avenue than do a chant. So everybody on Park Avenue knows we're here. So I'm going to start just by saying Colin Cap is under attack, and I want you to say, what do we do? Stand up, fight back. Colin Cap is under attack. What do we do? Colin Cap is under attack. What do we do? Colin Cap is under attack. What do we do? No justice, no peace, no justice, no peace, no racist, police. That is right. Yeah, I want to start as well by thanking Mark Thompson, thanking Simone Sanders, thanking everybody for coming out today. And I also want to give love to a person who never bowed to white supremacy again. Love to Mr. Dick Gregory. Now, I don't just mention Dick Gregory out of respect for his passing. But a lot of people don't know that in 1963, Dick Gregory was the first person to ever call for a boycott of a sporting event because of racism. He called for a black boycott of the 1964 Olympics for a very simple reason, because he raised the issue, what kind of country cheers black bodies on the field but does not respect black lives at home? And he said, no Olympics until we fight racism in this country. No Olympics as long as racists are in the White House. No black bodies to entertain as long as black minds are disrespected in this country. And I love Dick Gregory, too, because he could speak at a rally and make people cheer and make people laugh. He once said that I love the new Martin Luther King Jr. stamp because I love thinking of all these white bigots leaking his backside. And I also have no doubt what Dick Gregory would say if he were here right now. He would say, we are here because black lives do not matter to NFL owners. And this is not complicated. NFL owners have covered up studies of brain injuries. The NFL is 70% black. There are no NFL owners. And you could still count the number of coaches and executives on two hands. As Michael Bennett of the Seahawks said, you only think the NFL is integrated. It's actually segregated because it's white people making all the money on top and NFL stands for N-words for lease. His words, not mine, and they're so true, and they, they're true, we know they're true because they hurt. These NFL owners also, they gave Donald Trump millions of dollars. And then refused to sign somebody because he dares speak his mind. But we also know why we're here today. 
We're here today because this is bigger than an NFL roster. And as Colin would be the first to tell you, this is bigger than Colin Kaepernick. It's happening because there is a white supremacist wing of the White House that is operating in Washington, D.C. And they are trying to silence voices of resistance. So when we stand up for Kaepernick, we're standing up for ourselves. And we're standing up for our freedom to call out the racists in Washington, D.C. and in the state houses around this country. They will not shut us up. And you know what? They're trying to silence Kaepernick, but you know, the Bible told us, he said, the Bible said, they that sow the wind shall reap the whirlwind. And they thought that shutting Kaepernick would ensure our silence, but the opposite has taken place. As Mark Thompson said, you see more and more NFL players sitting during that anthem. You see them taking that knee. You see white players taking that knee, which is their worst nightmare. There's no bigger nightmare to them than white players getting involved in this. Just like there's no bigger nightmare, I'll tell the people across the street, than Jewish people standing up for Palestinian rights. No bigger nightmare. No bigger nightmare than men standing up against sexism. No bigger nightmare. Because if they can't divide us, guess what? We win. And we got to come together because I'll close with the words of Nina Turner. She said it perfectly. It's perfect what she said. It was prophetic. She said it months before Charlottesville. But we all see the truth now. And the truth is simple. We may have come over here on different ships. But right now we are all in the same boat. I'm proud to share this boat for you with all of you. And I want to look at Donald Trump square in the eye and say to him, we're going to sink your battleship. So thank you very much. God bless. Stand with Colin Kaepernick. Stand with each other because we have the right to speak out against racism, against police brutality, and for a better world. The bigger we are, the harder they fall. Thank you very much. And now I've got some choice words this week, and they're not by me. They were written by Erica Harris DeValve, the wife of Sean DeValve, who took a knee with the Cleveland Browns during a national anthem protest last week. Now, what makes that significant is that Sean DeValve is white, the first white player to take a knee and be a part of these protests. Now, Erica Harris DeValve, I don't just want to define her as being Sean DeValve's wife. She recently graduated from Princeton and will begin pursuing her master's in theology this fall with a focus on the intersection of race and Christianity in the U.S. And I want to read her words as published on The Root because I think they're very important. This is what she said. On Monday night, I walked into First Energy Stadium having absolutely no clue what was going to happen during the national anthem. When it began, I saw a group of Browns players kneeling, and I was proud. A few moments later, I noticed number 87, my husband Seth, was among them, and I was even prouder. That moment reconfirmed a few things that I knew. That the many in-depth conversations about race that Seth and I had had, that every interracial couple must have had, resonated and took root with him. That he knew this was bigger than just one-on-one chatting with me over dinner or coffee. And that he gets it beyond a simple desire to be protective of me as his wife. While I understand and am deeply proud that Seth is the first white NFL player to kneel during a demonstration like this, I would like to push back against some of the attention he's been getting that portrays him as some sort of white savior to a movement that was started and has been carried on by black football players for about a year now. 
I'm grateful for the widespread support and praise that Seth is getting for his actions, but I would like to offer a humble reminder that a man, a black man, literally lost his job for taking a knee week after week on his own. Colin Kaepernick bravely took a step and began a movement throughout the NFL, and he suffered a ridiculous amount of hate and threats and ultimately lost his life's work in the sport he loves. We should not see Seth's participation as legitimizing this movement. Rather, he chose to be an ally of his black teammates. To center the focus of Monday's demonstration solely on Seth is to distract from what our real focus should be, listening to the experiences and the voices of the black people who are using their platforms to continue to bring the issue of racism in the U.S. to the forefront. Seth, as a white individual, never has and never will truly have to feel the weight and burden of racial discrimination and oppression. No white person does or will. But all white people should care and take a stand against its prevalence in this country. What I hope to see from this is a shift in the conversation to Seth's black teammates, who realistically have to carry this burden. I am discouraged by this idea that acknowledging and fighting against racism is a distraction that must be stored away in order to be a good football player. I wholeheartedly reject that narrative. Black players in the NFL cannot just turn their concern on and off in order to be able to focus more on football. White players shouldn't either. Racism is a day-to-day reality, and I hope that instead of holding Seth up on a pedestal, the response will be to do what he did, listen to the voices of the black people in your life, and choose to support them as they seek to make their voices heard. To the people who are looking at pictures of us and saying, oh well, that makes sense, I offer a dramatic eye roll. People on Twitter have insinuated that it's simply my appearance that inspired Seth to kneel with his teammates, or that I must have threatened Seth with leaving him or refusing to have sex with him if he didn't join the demonstration. To even joke in this way is gross. Seth didn't do what he did simply to obtain a gold star from his wife. His actions on Monday night were not the equivalent of him bringing home a bouquet of flowers after I've had a rough day. In his interview after Monday night's game, Seth said, I myself will be raising children that don't look like me, and I want to do my part as well to do everything I can to raise them in a better environment than we have right now, end quote. I don't think either of us foresaw that this choice to share about his personal life would become the go-to narrative to explain Seth's actions in their entirety. Seth understands how racism systematically oppresses people across this entire nation. He understands that to be complacent about it is not just unacceptable as a black wife's husband. Seth supported his teammates because it was the right thing to do. It was the godly thing to do, and it was the responsible thing to do. If I were white, he should have done the same, and I'm confident that he would have. In the last few days, we have seen a lot of the same comments that have been expressed since Kaepernick began kneeling during the national anthem. People imploring players to stand up because it is disrespectful to the flag, to the country, to the active military and veterans. What Kaepernick did, and what various NFL players are continuing this season, is something we should see as real patriotism. They are engaging critically with the national anthem and this country's articulated ideals. They are consciously observing the reality of our country's current state, and they are using their platforms to publicly hold the country to which they live accountable to the ideals it is supposed to be upholding. To be complacent that the U.S. strives to be the land of the free while so many of its citizens of color are being oppressed for their race is unpatriotic and irresponsible. I applaud those who realize that and do something about it rather than ignore it. That was the words of Erica harris Devalve, a Princeton University grad doing master's work on the intersection of race and Christianity 
and the spouse of Sean DeValve of the Cleveland Browns. It's the first time we've ever done choice words from another source, and guess what? It was worth it. And now a quick word from the second best podcast hosted by The Nation magazine, Start Making Sense with John Wiener. You got to hear this one. First and foremost, John Wiener talks to one of my favorite people, journalist Amy Willens, who outlines the difference between Trump aides Jared Kushner and the now not so dearly departed Steve Bannon. Also, John Nichols comes on the podcast to talk about the Bannon forces and shadowy right-wing billionaire Robert Mercer. Lastly, John Wiener has Joshua Holland on to speak about the debate over whether or not the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians and how much the left should focus on that in their effort to build a resistance. It's a fascinatingly nuanced show. People should check it out. Start making sense with John Wiener. Download it from The Nation magazine or wherever fine podcasts are heard. And now a quick section of the show that we haven't done in a while where we play listener phone calls. Uh, This week, we asked you whether or not you were going to watch the NFL less because of Colin Kaepernick not having a roster spot. We picked three phone calls. I haven't heard them before. I'm listening to them and responding to them on the spot. Let's listen to them and hear what you have to say. Hi, Dave. This is Andy from Patterson, New Jersey, uh, calling about the Colin Kaepernick situation. Uh, that definitely got me thinking. I've been a big football fan, big Giants fan. It's got me thinking that I might be watching less than I have been. Uh, you know, I mean, there are family events and other people might invite me over, so maybe I'll be watching. But uh, I just probably will watch less because uh, it does really concern me. Thank you so much for that call, Andy. I wanted to play it and respond because I'm getting that kind of feedback from a lot of folks about not watching the NFL this year. And, you know, I think it's got to be, you know, a personal choice. A boycott's been called by the NAACP. People have to make the decision whether or not to respect that boycott. I also strongly understand why people see the NFL as their one point of release or relaxation during the day. So I'm not sure people have to treat the NFL as if they're a vegetarian and they see a big plate of meat in front of them. But maybe if you've got the NFL package, maybe it's time to cancel that and send a strongly worded letter to the National Football League. Hey Dave, uh, this is Alberto uh, from Brooklyn. Uh, just responding to your uh, question about whether or not uh, Colin Kaepernick's basketball has affected my decision to watch the NFL. And the short answer is absolutely. Colin Kaepernick isn't the sole reason, but he's given, I guess, us the courage to, you know, call a spade a spade and be like, hey, you know, the NFL is not something that you should sit there and support. And you know what? I can't say that, you know, if he gets his job back, I can't say that that's going to really prompt me to go and turn on the TV on a Sunday afternoon anymore. But, you know, I definitely support Cap and everything he's doing, you know, getting the word out there and more importantly, seeing the impact he's having with the youth. Um, I think that's just amazing. So anyway, just to wrap it up, um, you know, thanks for all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Alberto, for the call. Uh, Real quick, something I want to say to that is I've heard that from other folks as well, that they almost feel like the NFL has become a habit in their life. And this stance by Kaepernick, even if it wasn't the intent of the stance, is forcing people to critically assess why they like the league. Your comments, Alberto, also remind me of those words of Reverend Jamal Bryant, where he said that this is a league that's more comfortable with concussions than a player with a conscience. So, yeah, I appreciate that call. And 
it, it really is, I think, one of the unintended effects of this that a lot of people are asking themselves, well, wait a minute, not only why is this league such a part of my life, but should I be thinking a little bit more critically about how it affects my life and the kind of assumptions that it builds in my mind, whether it's about race or violence or what have you. I mean, these kinds of critical discussions I know for some people are why they hate sports or why they're turning off from sports and they just want sports to escape. But just because these discussions are difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't have them. This is Stephen Miles from uh, Potomac, Maryland. I am boycotting watching the NFL uh, partly because of what it's done to um, so-called white ball or black ball, Colin Kaepernick from the league. But also as a Bears fan, and I know fans of many organizations who have struggled to find a replacement quarterback, which they deem the most important position in sports, to actually overpay for a backup that's been largely unproven to give a, a, a you know almost a king's ransom to give up uh, in order to get a unproven college player who's played nine games just really means that the NFL is, is and, and many organizations are being very deliberate in, in what they're you know uh, able to get away with also because the fans will continue to watch so uh, that's why I am choosing not to watch this Thank you so much, Stephen, for that call. And yeah, that is one of the maddening things about the Kaepernick issue. When we look at players who've been out of the league several years, when we look at players who are best known for phrases like butt fumble and running out of the end zone, and when we look at players who threw for negative yards in college who now are on NFL rosters, it becomes maddening. One of my favorite stats that people should use with their friends was something that was uncovered by Mike Freeman over at Bleacher Report, that... Every single NFL quarterback who at age 29 threw 300 passes had a job the following season, except for Colin Kaepernick this year. Think about that. Every single 29-year-old had a job the next year. So we're talking nobody got hit by lightning, nobody retired unexpectedly, nobody left to join the priesthood, everybody played the next year, except for Colin Kaepernick. That's the stat that just gives the game away to me. And let's also remember, though, we're not just talking about the terrible backups who've been signed. Colin Kaepernick is better than a lot of the starting quarterbacks in this league as well. Uh, That's what the tape tells us. That's not what biased NFL journalists tell us, but that's definitely what the tape tells us. So um, it's a ridiculous situation, and the obviousness of it, I would argue, only gives Kaepernick's message uh, more strength. Well, that's all for this week's show. Thank you to my Nation Magazine colleague, Miguel Salazar, for doing some of these interviews on site. Thank you to my co-producers, David Tigabu and Daniel Baker. Thank you to Mark Thompson and Simone Sanders and to everyone on Make It Plain Radio on Sirius XM for organizing the speaking portion of this and asking me to speak. If you want to listen to more from the Edge of Sports podcast, just go to edgeofsportspodcast.com Or please subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Please leave a rating. Please tell a friend. All of that means so much to the work we do. If you want to call us, you can always do that at 401-426-3343. That's 401-426-EDGE. Thank you so much. Stay frosty, everybody. We are out of here. Peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.